Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What's up, you Tennessee Hober? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, I just hope I'm recording this time. <laughs> if for, for the YouTube audience, apologies for that. I screwed up on my end and... Shane, if you would have asked me to put the mortgage on who's going to screw up a video recording first, you or I, I mean, I would have, I would have bet my life savings it would be you. But oh, of course, it was me once again. Yeah, no, I, you know, it's funny that you said that because uh, I had a little bit of a cool day. Um, you know, the old boss is like, "Hey, why don't you take the day off?" And I was like, "Hell yeah!" Of course, it's raining. I don't know about you. I'm looking for the ark out here. You know, this thing's it hasn't stopped for the last eight day, eight to ten hours here. But uh, but no, we, my my youngest wanted to go to the mall. So long story short, we go to the mall. We watch a movie. Uh, had a, had a pretty cool day, and I'm sitting there waiting for her because she's always got like, hey, I just got to do one thing, and this is like five stores, you know. So I'm like. You do whatever. I'm going to go find a bench like an old bastard and sit here, you know. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm looking around at the Twitter, and I'm like – and I saw your video posting, and I said, I said, I can't believe Mike is the first one to not record. <laughs> 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 I was with you. I was like – I so when we sat down, the first thing I did is I was like, make sure that red dot's on because I don't want to bang. Well, buddy, uh, it seems like all of college football is talking about expansion, Pac-12, ACC, Big Ten. But we don't give a damn about none of that shade. It's mm-hmm. SEC football. We got camp updates all across the SEC that we're going to get to. We got about half the league and many of these teams we've not touched on in a little while. So uh, are you ready to talk some SEC football? Yeah, Mike, told you I was at the mall. I've been ready, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I First of all, I want to start with this shit because this is this is basically like a running joke on this show. We've been joking about it since uh, since we started this damn thing. But hey, speculation is is running rampant right now, and I just wanted to throw this out there, throw a bone to the rest of the SEC, except for Georgia, who, who they don't need it. They're on top of the the college football mountaintop. But Shane, what's your thoughts on Nick Saban buying a seventeen? million dollar home on Jupiter Beach and before anybody says well wait a second he just needed a vacation home well he's already got a vacation home on the lake in Georgia yeah he's already got a another home on the Gulf Coast there in Florida who buys a 17 million dollar beachfront property next to Tiger Woods Jay Tiger Woods will be his neighbor uh-huh. if, they, if they ain't thinking about that Riding off into the sunset. Could Cousin Shane be right? They win it all. They go undefeated. Nick Saban throws in the towel. What's your thoughts? Retiring, baby. I told you. <laughs> I told you my hot take for the start of the season was that Alabama's got one more good run in them, and this yeah. is going to be the season. We were one year off for the revenge tour. This is going to be the revenge tour. They go undefeated. They win a national championship. Nick Saban goes to Jupiter, and he tells everybody, kiss their ass. <laughs> what a wild – I mean, this this could really be happening. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. trying not to get overexcited. Alabama fans are – 
they're madder than hell. We're even discussing this, but oh, I know you've been trying. You, uh, Mike, our first episode, what eight years ago, was talking about <laughs> this is the final season for Nick Saban. So again, this, this is probably not going to happen, but it is kind of alarming, in my opinion. I'm with you. Why? Why buy this house down there when you've got one that you always mm-hmm. go to in the summertime? So. Uh, yeah, it is, it is intriguing and we're not going to get a real answer until the end of the season. I don't think. And maybe my favorite one we've ever done, Shane, for long time listeners, they'll be familiar with this, but you remember, uh, we changed on the back end, we changed podcast providers. So we did a special breaking episode. It was really just a test to make sure it was still working. And I got you, maybe if I can find this, I'll play it. But I, I got you. I said, Shane, Reaction to the news. You had no idea what I was talking about. And I said, Nick Saban just announced his retirement. Welcome in to a special edition of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. What's going on? Well, thanks for joining me, Shane. I got to say that, first of all. It's Friday evening, special edition here. We had breaking news. We normally never have a podcast come out on Saturday, but we had to do it. Breaking news out of Tuscaloosa, Shane. This was first reported by Cecil Hurt of Tide Sports and later confirmed by Paul Feinbaum. But Nick Saban stepping down a week before Alabama gets into training camp. Shocking news. And offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian named interim Alabama coach, Shane. What the hell do you make of this news? Wait, are you serious? This just broke on Friday evening. Got to get the reaction out to the listeners. Thoughts on what's going on here? Are you shitting me? Are you Are you lying to me? Don't be lying to me. Just kidding, guys. This is a test episode. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> I'm like, why am I not getting text messages yet? Oh, Mike, you don't be playing with me like that. My wife's already pissed at me for doing a Friday night pod. And then here you got my hopes up. This is, this is a horrible podcast. So This was about four years ago. You started freaking out because you thought it was real, too. Do you remember that? I do. I, I've been waiting for it. Now Now it's just it never happens. Rusty Manziel said something to me at Media Days that sticks out to me. When I, when I saw this, the first thing I thought of, he was told – if you want your grandkids to come see you, and I can't remember which coach he said this was, I, that that part doesn't remember, but I always remember Rusty saying this. If you want your grandkids to come see you, you buy a house on the lake, you buy a house at the beach, you buy a house with a pool. You better have some water or they're not coming to visit. So when he bought this beach house, that's the first thing that came to my mind was like, he wants some grandkids to come see him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Shane, I can talk about Nick Saban retiring for the entire episode, but we got to move on. <laughs> and that's here. the rest of the show. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs> uh, let's kick it down to our favorite coach in the SEC, Shane Sam Pippen, opening fall camp here in Fayetteville, and uh, maybe the so far the best quote from an SEC coach in fall camp. He was asked about Rocket Sanders, up to two hundred forty-two pounds of enough, nothing but muscle, according to Sam Pippen. Let's kick it over to him. Rockets listed at 242, I think. Yeah. You like that weight on him? I can't okay. do nothing about it. You'd have yeah. to cut skin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
something, you pinch them and it won't, nothing moves. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, we talked to the nutrition and we talked to Ben about it and he's 242 and there's no, I mean, no, no fat there. So I don't know what you do with it, but he's in shape. All right, Jay, I mean, this, this is just like us, right? Nothing to cut oh, yeah. but skin here. That's right. Nothing you can do about it. You know? <laughs> I say that every time. I just I left El Torito's today, my favorite Mexican joint. I was like, what can you do, man? Nothing you could do about it. You knew I was going to eat all them tamales. <laughs> but it goes to show, Shane, the, the attention to detail there in Arkansas. Rocket Sanders, a big, you know, I, I don't want to push him to the NFL or anything like that, but we all know what caliber of athlete he is. And if he – has a, a huge year and is projected as a top pick. He's probably likely to go, and and that's a win-win for Arkansas too. If they if yeah. they get him to the NFL, if they have a huge year, so I mean KJ Rocket. We talked about it all off season, but big dudes, man, big dudes, big physical dudes. And, who's, and that's the, what, who's the third one they had with him? Looked like a hitman. What was his oh, name? Uh, Landon Jackson, defensive yeah. lineman. He's he's I, up about thirty pounds of muscle too. Damn, I tell you, he was a he 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 was probably the most intimidating looking dude I saw walking around there, brother. I thought, <laughs> well, I was like, I'm glad we're not in an elevator together. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that is a common theme, Shane, because we got one other comment here from Sam Pittman. But hey, he admits it. Last year, line of scrimmage at at times was an issue. Goal line, that physicality on on the O line and the D line. You assume that's never going to be an issue with a Sam Pittman coach team. And I think that is in part why they went to Dan Enos, they went to Travis Williams to kind of get some of that back. Let's kick it over to Sam Pittman. Oh, they also changed the strength coach, of course, which is vital to, to all yeah. this stuff. But uh, let's kick it over to Sam Pittman one more time, who admits, hey, we lost our edge a little bit. We lost our identity. And they think they got that back in Fayetteville this year. Coach, uh, We've already had a couple of questions about the the gains and you know weight that the programs made this off season. Uh, did that take on any added emphasis? Just going with a you know with the new offense this year, not so high tempo and spread, but maybe getting back to some more physical um, offense. Yeah, I think you know obviously we led the nation in rushing and power five a couple years back and things. So we've always tried to be physical and things of that nature. I think there's more emphasis on details. Uh, certainly. Uh, will be formationally will be quite a bit different. You know, we were a lot of 11, you know, that's just boom, 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 because we were playing fast. We wanted to stay in that a little bit of very slight amount of 20 personnel last year. I think you'll see the tight ends used a lot more this year than, than what before. Um, but when you're a, a check offense, and we will do that at times, you're checking because you're saying this is the best look and we're better than you. I mean, guys that are in check offense is like we were at Georgia my entire time there. Now, sometimes we were, sometimes we weren't, but we believe that we were. And there's a lot of uh, emphasis put on, you know, the mind strong and and uh, hopefully that makes it some more physical. But um, going into the off season with the weight room, that was we, you know, obviously we knew Dan was different. Um, uh, than uh, what KB was, but uh, we need to be more physical. And in all honesty, the most disappointing thing of last year was not between the 20s. It was inside both 20s on offense and situation football. 
And as good as we were, we weren't very good on either one of either one of those cases. All right, Shane. I mean, if I'm an Arkansas fan, this is exactly what I want to hear because, you know, let's call it like it is. Even though yeah. you do got KJ and Rocket and, and some other outstanding players across the SEC, I mean, they got they got other great players too. Yeah. So how does Arkansas how are they different? You gotta be tougher. You gotta be more physical. You have to be developed on the line of scrimmage. And just based on what Sam Pittman's saying here, it kind of sounds like that's the team that they got now. Yeah, that that's what they lacked last year. It, it felt like – I mean, that was kind of the theme, something Sam kind of hinted at us when he was over there, get big, get physical, because this is a physical team. You, you, just, you just said, Rocket's 242 pounds. That's a physical back. That's a guy you don't want to tackle. Rock, you look at K.J. Jefferson – one of the biggest quarterbacks in the country. Another one you don't want to tackle, but that's the thing that they need to have. And this is kind of what we thought Sam was going to bring when he came up there. Me and you said, hey, we don't know what this team's going to look like three or four years, but I can tell you one thing, they're going to pop some heads. And it felt like they got away from it a little bit last year. And and I think this year they're, they're singing a different tune. Yep. Well, Shane, one thing that we've been hitting at all off season, and if you listen to Josh Heupel, I think, we're hitting the nail on the head here. Let's kick it on down to Rocky Top where they're all in training camp as well. A couple practices in there at Tennessee. And, yes, some star power's gone. Hendon Hooker should have been a Heisman finalist. Yeah. Jalen Hyatt, Blitnikoff winner. Darnell Wright, top ten pick. Uh, uh, Byron Young, outstanding defensive end off to the NFL. Cedric Tillman. I mean, a lot of players off that team. But while – the casual fans are sitting here saying, well, they lost their star power. There's no way they can duplicate what they did last year. This is a deeper team. This is a more talented team. Mm-hmm. And, again, you got to consider what they've accomplished under Josh Heupel with players exiting via the transfer portal, not having that depth, not having a ton of elite talent on really either side of the ball, but particularly on the defensive side of the ball where they're starting to really ramp up things on that side of the ball. Let's kick it over to Josh Heupel on just, you know, the 180 that this roster has done and what that could do for Tennessee this fall. Since that on the first day, even in helmets, guys running around, could you sense the, the competition on the team? And, and going back to, to Hobbs, what do you think he can sort of bring your defensive line? Well, not just today on the field, seeing the competition and feeling it, but it's driven guys in the summer too. And, you know, that's in – Know, how they're preparing their bodies, but also in the meeting room, when we get a chance to spend a little bit of time with them or, or out on the grass. Uh, there is a heightened sense of, of competitiveness because, you know, there's other guys in the building that, that look like them, have the athletic traits that they do too. And so uh, we felt that uh, all off season, uh, felt that today too. Just, you know, I think it was Austin yesterday, you know, said mentioned something about some of you guys playing linebacker for us our first year here. You know, you go ones, you go twos, you go next guys up threes. Man, there, there's there's real players at all levels right there that uh, that we certainly didn't have early in, in my tenure here. You touched on this a little bit a minute ago, but just from an eye test standpoint, can compare your t- this team to two years ago, do you, do you feel like you just look more like an SEC football team when you – you look at on the practice field. I should probably ask you that question, and you know, I'm, you know, I'm saying like it's dramatic, dramatically different uh, than we were year one. I would say that with the guys that run out there with the first unit today too. But you just look through the depth of our roster, uh, the length, size, 
uh, ability to bend, um, you know, up front in particular, the athleticism, uh, the ability to move out in space with our skill guys and, and big skill, um, it's, it's dramatically different. All right, Shane. So, I mean, I, I think this is the, the thing I'm most excited about if I'm a Tennessee fan is just, again, my God, we, we just won 11 games and we didn't have Georgia's roster. We didn't have yeah. Alabama or LSU's roster. It, yet we beat two of those teams. You know what I right. mean? So I'm not saying they're going to sit here and kick everybody's ass, but <laughs> with a deeper, more talented roster, if, if we can get some more star players to emerge, and again, Hannon Hooker, Darnell Wright, and Jalen Hyatt, not trying to take away anything from those guys, but none of them were star players until they played for this coach in this system. And we've seen guys like Joe Milton and Squirrel White and Brew McCoy and on and on and on step up when asked. Now, not to the level of those star players, but now it's going to be their time to shine. And, uh, I mean, I just – I, I have got – I'm just excited thinking about it, Shane, how much talent they have to work with on Rocky Top right now. Well, I, I, I think rightfully so, Mike, because, you know, you look at some of these players that are in the NFL now. How many times in years past – I mean, Tennessee's had NFL talent, but when they leave, they usually leave a void. You know, it's not like you said Georgia or Alabama where they just reload and they got two other guys just ready ready to jump in. Well, now they do. Mike, mm-hmm. now they do. Now they got guys on that roster that have building, been building up for these first team snaps. I think that's the key. You got a guy that goes down. You've got another guy that comes in that's fully capable to 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 not hurt the team. Which when when Heupel first got there, they didn't have that. You know, and I you can just tell in his voice. You could if you watch the video. I mean, he's he's tickled pink. I, I think he he probably just. Just gazing at all them athletes, like I can't believe all this is ours, you know. <laughs> it's like, like pinching himself. We've made it, you know, because I think that's where Tennessee's at right now. And you're starting to see some of these other names emerge, and and you're getting excited about it. But you don't need them to perform right now. That's that's the beauty of having that depth. We've got some dudes that just came in, but we don't need them. But who knows? Week seven, week eight. By the time they are ready, we can implement and get them in there. Right. And again, Shane, I'm not firmly on the Joe Milton bandwagon. I mean, I, I see the potential. Mm-hmm. I understand why Vols are fired up about him. And I'm not saying he can't be a, a great player, but, but I'm, just, I'm still in a wait and see mode. But I obviously, I mean, it's foolish to sit here and say he's better or as good as Hen and Hooker until we actually see him perform on the field. But guess what, Shane? With a deeper and more talented running backs, with I would argue a deeper receiving core, yeah, and some elite freshmen like Cam Seldon and Ethan Davis at tight end, and the transfer of Castles, another tight end, Jacob Warren that? back. I mean, they they he doesn't got to be Hen and Hooker because no. he's got so much weapons and talent around him, and uh, that's one other thing I wanted to shout out too, Shane. Ethan Davis, the tight end, true freshman, one of the top tight ends in the country got hurt in spring and it sounded pretty bad but he's already back 100 percent full go practicing with the team so that's just add another weapon to uh the arsenal that they'll have to work with would you see what they said about uh the emmanuel i can't say his last name how you say that a coy or oh yeah uh, i <laughs> what you don't go ahead and say it but i mean i'll 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 rip it to shreds but go ahead 
No, I'm going to say it because it got me excited, Mike. Of course, I'm reading all this. You know how you do. <laughs> Guys, we all do this. Right. You remember how we were putting out uh, the South Carolina one, and then they like three other names come out of nowhere, and they're like, don't forget these guys, <laughs> you know? Then the, then the LSU comparison. Well, yeah, I'm right, going to do right. this one. This one came from uh, tight end coach Alec uh, Albing. I can't say his name. He's got a chance. Talking about this, uh, Emmanuel. He's got a chance to be the most athletic guy to ever play the position. I truly believe that he is as physically gifted as anybody I've ever seen around. <laughs> now, to be fair, he's never seen me around. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's why I hate that, Shane. And, and again, I get it. People get fired up. Yeah. People get mad that I'm even downplaying players or anything like that. But if you know the the backstory here, this guy, I believe they found him in some kind of like NFL uh, tryouts in Africa or something. He's literally never, until this week, he's yeah. never practiced on an actual football field. Yeah. And yet we're sitting here saying the most athletic type. I mean, I, I, I feel like they're setting him up for failure. Because yeah. this guy, I don't think he's going to see the field year one because the game is completely foreign to him. Now, yeah. Am I saying he's not going to be a great player? I mean, he hell, maybe he is. And maybe this coach is exactly right. But let's let's wait till he gets his first scrimmage under his belt before we're anointing him the most athletic tight end in the history of football. It's, I mean, come it's on. Like, it's like when they got that defensive end from Canada. What was his name? You know, oh, just, yeah, Kongbo. Kongbo, yeah. I mean, by the time we he got here, we thought he was going to be eight foot tall. So, no, I, I get it. I get it. We get, we get pumped up. But, again – Going back to what you said, you started out with Heupel. Guys mm-hmm. like this don't need to perform year one. Yeah. But, you know, in year one when Heupel was here, there was a real shot that you saw this kid on the field. And like you said, yep. it may, he may fell, you know, flat on his face. Now he's got time to learn that game. And who knows, maybe be the next best tight end to come through UT. Yep. We're going to be playing that clip when he's in Canton, Shane. Trust me. I was there. Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, big guy. Uh, oh, what was his name? Dan Daniel. McCullers. You remember yep. him on the mountain? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they come around ever so often. He's just <laughs> these rare players. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's kick it on down, Shane, to Athens. Two-time national champions, Georgia Bulldogs. Open camp as well, Shane. They're fired up down there. But uh, one thing that, uh, you know – Many people have have poked fun at uh, bringing back Mike Bobo. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something that I had not really realized but uh, probably should have, and, and, you know, I thought this was great by Kirby Smart to to point at it, and, and that's why I really wanted to play this clip. But he was asked about Todd Munkin leaving. What's that do to the offense? And I love the fact that Kirby says, well, hey, yes, a coordinator left, but every single other coach on the offensive side of the ball is back. And considering Mike Bobo was already on staff, I mean, should be a seamless transition. And it may not affect the offense quite as much as, as those Bulldog haters are hoping. Let's kick it over to Kirby one time. Kirby, it's common when you have a successful program that you're going to lose assistant coaches. You, obviously, you lost a really good offensive coordinator this this past offseason. What did Todd bring to the program, and how difficult will it be to replace him in your in your, your view? Yeah, I think anytime you lose a coordinator, you could rank it up there with like, okay, is that equal to an assistant coach? Probably not. I mean, you would think losing coordinator is greater than others. I think retaining the rest of the offensive staff, and I think Ty would be the first to tell you, you know, once I knew he was leaving and I sat down and had a long meeting with him, he he, he, he reemphasized 
how good this staff was at doing their job of presenting him ideas. I think a lot of people look at offense coordinators in Ireland, and this guy just sits over there and comes up with this stuff himself. Well, they have 15, 20 meetings a week on Monday, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, where each coach gives a presentation of ideas or things they can do offensively, and he gets to sit back and be the decision maker on what's in and what's not. And those ideas really helped him, and he was quick to say, Coach, you're going to be fine no matter who you put in that position because you're going to oversee it make sure they do it right as the leader, and then they're going to do a good job because they have pride in their performance as assistant coaches on offense, and then whoever you put in that position is going to have good players and be able to be successful. So uh, I was very, we were very fortunate to have uh, Todd the time he was here, uh, the growth he allowed us to make, the confidence he exuded with the players, and um, and he, 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 he had a package of offense that he felt confident in that fit the players that he was given. He made the personnel fit his, his scheme. And I don't see that I don't see that changing. You know, obviously the, the quarterback is a major, major part of that. And we had really good quarterback play last year. So uh, a lot of times your offense is predicated off your quarterback play. So how well will our quarterback play? And, and that's the question. You know, I just thought that was a brilliant point by Kirby. Not that anybody's freaking out about uh, George's offense. I mean, my God, they've, they're probably only they may only have three All Americans, maybe yeah. four this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they're going to have probably eight All SEC selections on offense. I'm not even talking about the defense. So, right. I don't I don't think anyone's crying for Georgia, but uh, that kind of puts it in perspective for people that saying, well, there's a massive drop up between Munkin and Bobo, which I don't think that's that's correct at all. No, I, I don't. I don't think so either. And I'm telling you, Kirby's done this thing right. Uh, not just with the team and the players, but with this coaching staff. Yeah. You know, if you think of a perfect scenario, it's like longevity. How can we stay relevant forever? Well, you do that by having great coaches mentor younger coaches that can step in. Now, I'm not saying Mike Bobo's young, but I, but what I am pointing out is maybe the hires that you should keep an eye on aren't so much the coordinators, but the positional coaches, because those guys are, he's, I guarantee Kirby, when he looks at this, does this guy have a potential to step in to a defensive coordinator? Does this guy have potential to step into an offensive coordinator? Because when you're successful, these OCs, DCs, they're going to keep getting posts year after year. You're going to, it's a revolving door. Look at Alabama. Georgia's creating the same, same thing down there. And, and I, I just, it, he's doing it right. It's, it's almost like he's writing a book on how to be yeah. successful in, in the SEC. Yeah, you nailed it, Shane. I mean, he's he got that from Saban. Yeah. And, you know, when he kicked Lane Kiffin out the door on the Eva National Championship <laughs> game, the only reason he did that is because he already had Steve Sarkeesian on staff. Um, you know, Well, when, you look when, at it, the NFL. He stole it from Belichick and, and, yeah. and so on and so forth. I mean, th- there is a recipe, but it, it, it it's not simple. It's got to be adjusted accordingly, and I, and, and I think that's the key. Something that Kirby Else talked about, and I don't know if this was during media days or something, but they went over there and they went to that uh, – that, what's that rugby team, you know, for a couple <laughs> of weeks. The one that – like the most successful organization ever in the last hundred years. And, and it just – that's what they're doing, man. They're just they're they're surrounding themselves with successful people, and successful people want to be better. You, you see that when the players come out and talk, they just it's almost like little Kirby Smarts running around. It's crazy. 
Yeah. Well, and I should say little because they're all bigger and curvy smart, <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> and they've been through this before, too, Shay. Yeah. Dan Lanning went to Oregon to be head coach. They just promoted Muschamp and Glenn Schumann. So, and then when the next coordinator goes to take a head coaching job, they'll just promote from within. I mean, they, they got a true factory down there. But yeah. before we move on from Georgia, Shane, you wanted to play this clip. This is a great, great find by you, Javon Bullard, who, of course, uh, KO'd Marvin Harrison in, in the playoff. And Ohio State's still bitching seven, eight months later, what have you. Javon Bullard, I thought, had the perfect response to uh, his legal hit. I know I know you've moved forward from last year, but the the Big Ten at large and Ohio State can't seem to get over the play that you made in the national in the uh, semifinal game. How many times have you watched the replay yourself? And I guess if you can, you know, tell us what going reflecting back on that moment. You know, what did that play mean to you? Because I, I think that's kind of a play that's probably going to stand the test of history. Uh, I'm be honest. That play happened in December. That you still talking about? That's really not my fault. Um, <laughs> uh, we moved on from that. We played a game after that. Uh, we've going into another season. That play's over, man. Uh, to be honest, I don't really have too much to say about that. It's over. It's done. Where we're looking on and preparing ourselves to camp. Yeah, Javon. I know you don't like to talk too much about yourself but i mean you've got the 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 buckeye crunch cookie dough you've got kirby smart saying you're a stick of dynamite i mean where where did this where did this hitting propensity come from how early and can you explain the mindset that separates your hitting ability maybe from others that we've seen i don't really know what goes on in other people's heads when they play in the sport but this game is physical this place is physical um we just had a practice in spiders it still was physical you know, uh, and, and it's always going to be like that. That's not because um, of the certain players that are here. It's just it's the standard that we th- withhold within this organization. This place is physical. It was physical before I got here. It's going to be physical after I leave. So um, just the physicality that that we bring, and I pride myself on that. Um, this game is physical. It's never going to change. Um, and you have to have that certain edge, that physicality. Um, you, some guys aren't as big as others. You know, you got to have that, that certain swagger and that certain ego about yourself, not in a bad way, but of a sense that, you know, you step on the field, this is this is the game that I love and this is the game that I'm, you know what I'm saying, going to continue to play. So, uh, like, it's just passion, man. It's passion and energy. I, like I said um, um, earlier, I, I love this game. I love this game and um, really just that's that's what you see on the field um, when, I, when I try to play, you know what I'm saying, at my best uh, – just really just this passion and energy. All right, Shane. Hey, the, <laughs> he, he's, he's moved on from it. Like Who are you talking about? <laughs> Is this before or after the national championship? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But that, that, that's that got to piss off the Buckeye fans. You know what? And, and it should. And it should. And who cares? You know, because, again, that's what they're it's, – it's just – it's so fun to watch because – these kids, they come out, and I've seen them all talk and stuff. They're just this. This damn place is physical. Before I got here, this place will be physical after I leave. The, yep. They want to be the biggest, baddest dudes in the country, and that's the mantra. That's they don't need slogans on the wall. They don't need none of that shit. You know, they're, uh, they're hell. Their media guy ain't even got 
pictures of a football player. It's just a red book, you know? They don't care. There's no I in this team. It's a physical team that's going to beat the shit out of whoever they talk to, and that's kind of the the attitude the coaches have. That's the attitude these players have. Right, and I, I've said it before, Shana. Hell, I've said it on Feinbaum show. I think that's the difference right now between Georgia and Alabama. I yep. think that edge, Georgia clearly has it, and I think Alabama has lost it. Now they could get it back, but yeah, it's cockiness, we'll, we'll man. Sometimes you walk yeah. in knowing you're the biggest, baddest dude. Yep. You know, people are going to come up and they're going to try to act. You know, they're going to try to punch you, and, and, and you know, but you know that you've been successful. So um, it, it's just it, it just mirrors throughout this whole program. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Next, let's kick it on down to uh, College Station, where Jimbo Fisher was asked about. Naming a quarterback, Connor Wigman, Max Johnson. I mean, two outstanding options. But, you know, maybe this is something we've not talked enough about, Shane, with all the hype with A&M. If they screw up as quarterback, I mean, that could that could set the team back too. So, I, I mean, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but it is an important decision. Most assume it'll be Connor Wigman, but you cannot write off Max Johnson. Let's kick it over to Jimbo on uh, what he's looking for from a starting quarterback. Yeah, Jimbo, uh, how do you, I guess, assess your quarterbacks preseason camp? How, how would you like to see from them? And then I guess, do you have a preconceived target date for when you'd like to announce a starter? No, I never do. They'll say they'll tell you when they're ready, and you'll see it. And from that, I just want to see them manage the game. I want to see them manage the team. I want People say I want them to be a game manager. That's a, I want them to manage. you got to be a game manager. That's the greatest compliment you can have. Then you, the plays you make out of that, understanding situation, being situ, we call it situational masters. You got to understand it's third down, it's red zone, it's time on the clock, field position, all the different way calls change based off off of those situations, and being able to get us get your team in the right play. Because at the end of the day, no matter how you do it, the key is to move the football. How do you do it? Get them in the right play, make the right decision, make the right checks, get them get them organized, give them confidence in the huddle, and then when it's time for you. To physically make a play, you got to make the right decision, hit what the heck you're throwing at, and it's to play with great consistency. If and if you don't do something well, you know you want to get better at it. But the things you do well, keep repeating them, so you know how to call a game or, or put put the offense behind a guy. And if you have trouble with a guy, you can stay away from something or go to something. I mean, there's plenty of things to do. You just want to see what they like to do and the consistency in which they perform. With any athlete, the hardest thing for anybody to do, and you'll judge this and anybody you work with, is if they're different every day. How do you approach your boss every day if he's totally going wanting something different or if he does something different or if he acts something different? Same way with the play, you know, when a players can play with great consistency. Because, listen, that's what football is. That's what any sport is. It's a, and greatness is measured consistency and performance over a long period of time. That's what it is. Whether it's a game, can you consistently execute for a game? Can you consistently execute for a season? Can you consistently execute for a career? That's what greatness is. We 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 tag greatness on just cause of athleticism. That's not it. It's your performance and how you execute at your position. And because you're a great athlete, don't mean you're a great football player. That's why a lot of quarterbacks. So can they manage the game, be consistent each and every day, and allow the guys around them to function at a high level because of the situations and the decisions they make. And I'd love to know, Shane, is it Jimbo picking it or is it Bobby Petrino? Because if it's, I'd leave it to Bobby because uh, I think Jimbo's, Jimbo's made some mistakes on these quarterbacks here lately. If it works out, it was Jimbo's fault. If it does, then it's Bobby's. <laughs> Do you, does, this, does this drive you nuts at all, uh, uh, the quarterback controversy? And, and I get it. Max Johnson looked good in the spring. There was a, right, a whole right. bunch of good stuff coming out. But, you know – 
I don't know. When I think of a quarterback, I th- I think that there's a there's a moment when you got to just give them the reins or or they're going to doubt everything. They're going to they're going to be afraid to make this pass because if it's intercepted, Max will come in or or right. something along those lines. Do you ever does this does that bother you at all or or am I reading too much in this cuz we're not in the camp who knows? Connor may be getting eighty percent of the first team, and then it's not really a competition, but technically it is. No, I think that's a a fair concern, and and we'll get to Jackson Dart and Ole Miss here in a second. But he's you know said as much uh, down there in Oxford. That kind of bugged him last year, and with expectations, I mean, it'd be one thing, Shane, if we're talking, you know, I don't know, like SMU or something. You know what I mean? Like who gives yeah. a damn? But at yeah. Texas A&M, the pressure is on. Not, I mean, even a seven-win season, which would be an improvement, sadly, no one's going to be happy with that. No. I mean, they want eight, minimum, nine, ten. Hell, I mean, what they should be chasing is a championship, and I, I think they are last time I checked, which means they are going to need outstanding quarterback play, not just, you know, middle-of-the-road quarterback play or anything like that. So, certainly, I mean, I think – I think this could – that's why I, I, I kind of pointed to it, Shane, where maybe we're not talking enough about this quarterback competition and how it could affect things because what if, uh, you know, Max Johnson wins his teammates over, but Jimbo and, and Bobby says, well, Connor's got a bigger upside, so we got let's roll with him. But, yeah. you know, we, we have – that has doomed many teams before where the wrong decision um, is made and it kind of can derail a season. Yeah, well, we've had a we've had a few of these down there, and that's what drives me nuts. You know, I, I would love to just come out and say, "Hey, Connor's our guy." If he's not, then Max is our guy. Who cares? But pick a guy. But don't don't have this lingering through fall, and then all of a sudden we're 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 not hitting and flowing week two. You know, <laughs> and then we're looking right. back and say, "Well, we just threw away all those valuable reps because we had wasted it on a quarterback competition that did not exist." So. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not piling on. I'm not being Debbie Downer. I just that that shit drives me nuts. And and I don't know if you played the clip. Did you play the clip about when he was talking about Bobby? No, I'll play that next. Okay, you're about to hear it. And it's just this like I'll say what Fisher says a lot of great things. If uh-huh. you really listen to him, I mean the guy is a genius. And, and, and I know he doesn't like maybe he doesn't come across that way sometimes. But I mean the shit that he could just pull right out of his head. I mean the guy is a coach, but. Mm-hmm. He's emotional, and sometimes emotional gets in between making you you know what's right and what's wrong. You know, I, I his thumb is on that program, and he needs to come off of it a little bit. I keep saying that, Mike, and, and then when I hear little comments like you're about to hear right now, I'm like, damn, he ain't releasing the reins at all. Let me add to that, Shane, because I have heard you know with this whole media days and will Bobby call the plays? Who's calling the plays? I've heard some A and M fans say, well. Why they gotta even say that? Look, let's they they should keep everybody in the dark for an advantage in the opener. Shane, they're playing New Mexico at home. New Mexico <laughs> went two and ten last year. So, by God, if we're having to keep secrets from New Mexico, we're in bigger trouble than I thought. So I, I think you're I think you're right. You don't want to force it, but when you when you have a starter, name them immediately. Give them every damn rep against New Mexico because week two you're going on the road to Miami. He's whoever it is. I don't care if it's Connor or Max Johnson. Yeah. They've got to be ready to go because you lose on the road to Miami where you're going to be a favorite. There's going to be hell to pay. And uh, it, it's not getting any easier when you get into SEC play. You know what? 
You said secrets in New Mexico. And I was like, where's Area 51 at? You know, <laughs> that's in Nevada. So even even New Mexico doesn't have secrets. So, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's kick it over one final time. Talk, Bobby Petrino coaching up these quarterbacks. And uh, I just thought this was a, a fun little exchange where, hey, Jimbo says, hey, <laughs> Bobby's pretty good. and But, uh, you know, it was it was interesting. He said, well, there's no pressure right now. So, I mean, even he's indicating things could change in a hurry with old Bobby. And then another question, just uh, we've heard from a number of players that Bobby Petrino, like his personality, is a little bit different than they expected. He's a much calmer guy than they expected. Is that something you see, and what do you think his personality we'll see practice brings? practice goes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, when you're, if you're doing – listen, all coaches are calm when things go well. <laughs> you're executing. That means it's a good thing. It means we're executing. <laughs> but, no, he is – I say we've had a great, great relationship. I say we've known each other for a long time. It was never a question or concern on my part about us getting along or functioning or going together at all. And Bobby's a great guy. He's a smart guy. He's a hell of a football coach. And I think he'll do a great job. And I think our players are relating to him very well. And I think things are going well. Ooh, boy. I mean, it, he's not throwing him under the bus, but it, but he came kind of close, didn't he? <laughs> Every time – this makes me think that he didn't hire him. You know what I'm saying? Like, the more he says this, like, someone else hired Bobby Petrino and he's having to deal with it. So, I don't know if that's true or not, and I'm not starting any rumors, but this is not what I want. I want my OC – I want my coach to have my back, you know, as an OC and, and vice versa. You know, if you come to Bobby – we've not even seen Bobby. Is he even allowed near a camera? I mean – I don't believe so. Yeah, he may be. Has he got a little ankle bracelet? If he gets near a camera, it goes off and his alert goes off. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that's exactly happening, but I just don't like that. And, and maybe, maybe it's because we want these answers, you know, to these questions and, and he just doesn't want to give it up. But I don't yeah. know. It, it's, it's kind of frustrating, but – Mike, if they could come out and they could whoop ass three three games in a row and 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 put this offense back on on the map, then nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care who's calling the plays. Right. All right, Chair. Well, we got another quarterback controversy down there in Oxford, where Lane Kiffin's got a pick between Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, Walker Howard. Now they got this new kid, Austin Simmons, who's like twenty six years old <laughs> and he's a true freshman or something crazy like that. No, I think he. I think he's only sixteen or seventeen, but he's somehow he's a sophomore in college already with all the credits he credits he's earned. But uh, let's kick it over to Kiffin. Where I mean, we're doing a complete one eighty. Where last year we probably didn't have enough quarterbacks. Now we may have too many. And uh, that point you were making, Shane, could a could a quarterback hesitancy? You know, not being the full time guy, could that affect their performance? Certainly sounds like it affected Jackson Dart a little bit last season. Kind of back on the quarterbacks. Obviously, you guys had a battle last year with Luke and Jackson. Are you comfortable with this with it going into the season this year as it did last year? I would prefer for it not to. I've always said that. I always think it's better to have your guy. But you don't want to risk choosing the wrong one. And so there are times least two I can remember where we've gone into a season not knowing for sure so we've used some games our first game to help gather the information to make the decision because it is obviously don't have preseason games so it is it is hard to judge and people make the wrong decisions all the time even with preseason games at the next level so 
I just try to be really careful of saying, okay, well, that's the guy. And then you haven't seen him even play in the game, you know, with you and, um, you know, with the current team. So ideally, no, we would not go into that. But if it can't, if it doesn't show itself, then, then I feel like you have to. Jackson had kind of fucked up the situation of the starting quarterback job going into the season as, you know, a little bit of a whirlwind. And he said he did a good job, you know, blocking it out, but sometimes got a little foggy if he would second-guess himself sometimes at practice. Uh, if, you know, the quarterback competition got a little late, is that something you've spoken to him about? And is that anything that, you know, you're concerned about if it impacts him? Yeah, and I've talked to him. Um you know, those quarterback competitions, those have to happen and go later than the player wants them to. Certainly the player wants to be the quarterback and doesn't want that to keep dragging on. But that's not my job is to please one player. I've got to do what's best for the team. And so that's why, you know, it went so long to to figure out to make sure that we were making what with the most information we can get in the best decision. So. And I get it. I, I got no problem that players get frustrated sometimes with that. And but I think we communicate really well with them so that they understand what's going on and um, why we're doing the things that we do. All right, Chase. So I mean, Kiffin in these settings, it's not like he's giving much away. He he keeps it pretty coy. But I think this is uh, obviously the most. And I don't even know how much of a battle it really is, but. What if Spencer Sanders comes on here and just looks like a million bucks and, and Jackson Dart, again, the fact that he's saying the quarterback competition kind of got to him last year, is that is that Jackson saying, man, just name me the starter because I don't want to deal with it? I mean, it, I don't like to hear that from a quarterback either, do you? No, but, but again, with quarterbacks, we've seen kind of like this before, different scenario. I, I think of Georgia uh, yeah. is one. Uh, nobody – I mean, even me, I was out on Stetson Bennett. I didn't think he had it in him. So let's go out right. and find somebody else. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes that's what you need to to wake up the beast that's already on your roster. And maybe this is a version for Dart. I don't know. Tennessee, yeah. you know, uh, we, we go out. Milton's our guy. But then all of a sudden, who's this hooker kid? So mm -hmm. sometimes kids practice well, but they don't play well. And I think maybe that's what gave Dart the opportunity sometimes last year to be the starting quarterback. But when the lot's on, the pressure's on, sometimes the decisions he made, you know, backfired in Kiffin. So I, I, maybe he's not ready to close that door yet, wants to see with these kids. So I think out of all the quarterback competitions other than maybe Alabama, this is, this is like the deepest one here. Um, mm. I thought Jackson had it, but what I'm hearing, it, it, it sounds like this is – this is a competition down there. Right, and the beauty of it, Shane, I made this point many times. All these guys, ex except for the true freshmen, they've all transferred in. Yeah. So whenever the competition comes to an end, they can't leave. Although, little caveat here, Shane, because there has been some buzz that, that Spencer Sanders, if he doesn't win the job, could leave again. Mm -hmm. And I think he actually can, believe it or not, because I, I know he's – so, obviously, he's used his transfer from Oklahoma State to Ole Miss. But as I understand it, he has not got his degree technically. Yeah. I think if he gets it tomorrow, which I don't I don't know how that works, but let's say he somehow he could make that happen, then I think he can use that graduate rule. So, but, I mean, he's running out of time to, 
exit a program and jump into another and just be a starter. So I I don't anticipate he'll leave, but that has been a rumor that's been out there that he, that he could leave if he doesn't win this job. So I don't know if that adds any intrigue to it or not, but just see, I guess you could just see how hard he's studying, you know, like he's studying really hard, (laughs) harder than usual. He ain't going out drinking. (laughs) Somebody better text coach because I think his ass is leaving. (laughs) All right. Last team to hit on. Let's kick it on down to Auburn. First year under Hugh Freeze, of course, so much momentum. They're killing it, recruiting, stealing coaches or recruits from Kirby and Nick. Oh, man, we got these fans fired up, 40-point favorite, something crazy like that in the opener. But little update here, Shane. Uh-oh. I don't know if you saw this, but starting running back, Jarquez Hunter, still not practicing. He's still – and you're seeing the beat guys, Shane. They're like, he's nowhere to be found. They're checking the online roster. He's still on the roster. So I'm not saying he's off the team or anything, but would be a, a significant blow to not have him, particularly for conference play. Because Jarquez Hunter, for those that don't know, averaged over six and a half yards per carry, 193 career carries. So, I mean, he is a, he's the, the real deal, Shane. Hugh Freeze in the spring said he's the best running back I've ever coached. And that, that's that's a mouthful right there. But just that little update wanted to provide. But based on what Coach Freeze had to say, Shane, it sounds like obviously they got a quarterback competition of their own. Yeah. But the way Peyton Thorne from the Michigan State transfers burning up his phone – sounds like uh, they, they may have a favorite down there on the plains. I uh, talk about the uncertainty with Peyton. Uh, but you you know him. You've, you've talked to him. you spent a lot of time with him in the last few months. Talk to me about your relationship with him and what you've kind of gleaned about him so far. Uh, it's impossible for you not to visit with Peyton because he demands it. <laughs> I mean, it's like um, I'm on my phone every day. Hey, Coach, you got any free time today? Hey, Coach, you got any free time today? And um, he's uh, – and I love that about him. And and so, yes, uh, I've, I feel very comfortable – with who he is and his leadership and his desire and his preparation and his football IQ. Um, but you got to make plays and I uh, haven't seen that yet. And, and, and truthfully, uh, I'm excited about the competition between he and, and Robbie and, and Holden. So I think it's going to make them all better. All right, Shane. So, you know, after I heard this, I, all I wanted to really know was, what are, the, what are they talking about down there? I mean, hopefully it's just a playbook and everything like that, but who, you never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's see your phone, Hugh. Let's see, let's, <laughs> let's see these messages. <laughs> uh, brother, I, I think this is a, a telltale sign. I think we know who our quarterback is, and, and I just love – I love the – I mean, he's always selling, ain't he? He was yeah. just always saying, Auburn's so hot, everybody wants down here. Hell, Tim Tebow's here, you know. I can't I can't my quarterback's calling me all the time. Just how can I get better? This is the program. So he's saying the right stuff. So that's what I like to hear. And and I would love to have this quarterback thing. I, I'd like to have it filed away. I've never been one of these quarterback controversies. Anybody that's listening to this show knows I hate them. I, I like, hey, this is my guy. Because yeah. those reps from now until September are so valuable, brother. It's just the chemistry with the team. It's the leadership. Sometimes when you've got a real quarterback controversy, you've got a locker room that's split. Because mm-hmm. some people are in this camp and some people are in that camp. And, and that stuff can linger and become problems. You need a true leader in there. And I, I like I like what I'm hearing with this Peyton kid. 
Mm. And final thing from uh, Hugh Freeze. I, I just thought this was kind of interesting, Shane, but I think it's true. Uh, you know, if, what is the emphasis of this first camp? What is he trying to learn about this football team that, that has so many moving pieces, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defense as well, that there's no way he really knows what he's got. And we can all make our projections and, and predictions, and we're going to win this game and that game, but it'll all change when they actually hit the field and the games matter. Yeah. He's trying to find out about the toughness of this football team. Coach, with this being your first fall camp at Auburn, I know you said you were a little uncomfortable going into it, but what are you really trying to emphasize to all of your players during this fall camp? Um, the commitment it takes to win today, um, truthfully, is it's really that simple to me. Is do, do we have that toughness, the mental and physical toughness, through the commitment that we've declared we, we have and to win today? And then stack the days from today to tomorrow to the next day to the next day. And that is the secret sauce and the team that can do. Listen, most people in life, in my opinion, and, and I'm guilty of this too at times, we, 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 uh, we, we find a way to be consistent, but maybe we're really not committed. And unfortunately, when the reveal party happens, it's a little bit too late in this game. When you find out on the when the when when it gets real and oh heck he was just consistent he really wasn't committed on fourth and one and it's and it gets revealed and I want as few of those surprises as we can do and so we've got to create an environment through fall camp that hopefully gives us as much information as we can have so that uh, we don't get that uh that shock at the the reveal party of game one or game two or game three and and we truly find out you know who is who's truly committed to winning today and doing things the right way it's about as uh, i think they sent out a tweet this morning that i said last night is about as simple as i can put it is you have to behave as a champion before you can become one and that's everything from nutrition to your locker room to your timely manner, to the way you dress, to the way you talk, to the way you're, you think. And that's why our theme's kind of been flipped the script to, of, of the way we think and approach things. So I know that was a long answer, but. Uh, All right, Shane, and that why I really wanted to highlight that, because, uh, you know, when he was at Ole Miss, he was known as the guy that, you know, spread him out, throw it deep. And that's what got Nick Saban a couple times and led to a lot of SEC teams thinking, this is how we got to attack Georgia or excuse me, yeah. Alabama and Georgia, you know, and, and yeah, but it, it's a lot easier said than done. You got to have a good quarterback and, and some great receivers. But I was just stunned with the Liberty because, hell, we don't watch the Liberty. But mm-hmm. when they went into Arkansas last year, they out-physicaled the Arkansas Razorbacks under Sam Pittman. I said, my God, he's done a 180. And, and you know, they were ground and pound and tough and physical. And, and clearly it looks like they want to bring that – to the Plains, and, and this is what I want to hear if I'm an Auburn fan, but, uh, you know, I, th- I think that's an uphill battle to get there because obviously Georgia is there. That's one of their main rivals, and, and of course, Alabama. They're, they're knocking on the door of, of being the most elite physical teams on the line of scrimmage in the country. So Auburn's got a long way to go yeah. before they can catch them, but can they out-physical – Arkansas again, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I mean, I mean that's that's going to determine whether they win those games or not. 
Well, it's hard. It's so hard to do when you're a new coach. I mean, look at Heupel, what he just talked about, year one to where mm-hmm. they're at now. It takes a while to build physicality on a program because it's not just your front five or your you know, your front four on defense. It's it's who's behind them. I mean, when you're deep and big, then all of a sudden you've, you've got an opportunity to play big. And, and that's why I think you know, typically finesse teams are the ones that – that come out of the gate stronger. Look at look at Napier, what he's trying to do down there in Florida. If you're patient enough, I guarantee that's going to be a strong physical. Uh, maybe not exciting, you know. It's not going to be five wide and everybody going deep. It's it's, but it is going to be a physical style football. But it takes a while to build that depth, and that's something that I think he wants to do. But he's also smart enough to know that he can't go toe to toe with programs like Georgia and Alabama right now. Right. It's all about breaking the will of your opponent. And that can happen on the plane, Shane. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, they get Georgia and Alabama on the <laughs> planes, but crazier things have happened, haven't they? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, brother, hey, that's all I got on this episode of the show. You got anything before we hop off the line? No. Uh, hey, it was a hell of a week. Good, good talk. Got real content coming out. Uh, gonna have more, so I hope y'all enjoy your weekend. Cause we ain't got too many more weekends without college football. <laughs> oh, yes, oh, man, I can't wait. So I appreciate you as always. Appreciate all the cousins out there for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.